0: May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of my favourite films, in fact, one of the most deeply theological films of all time is, without a shadow of doubt, Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Um, And in it, um, the second scene is... Uh, Jesus delivering the Sermon on the Mount and the problem is all those people right at the back who can't quite hear what's going on. Is it really blessed are the Greek and blessed are the cheese makers or, or is it something ever so slightly more profound? Are we hearing the Sermon on the Mount correctly or are we just occasionally missing the point? After all, you know, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the earth. Lovely, but we need some time to work through what that often means. But one of the key things about the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to throw it out there, that I think the seven on the Mount is actually quite important, and it is something we as Christians do need to wrestle with and try and understand. And I'm even going to throw it out there, I think we also need to try and live it out as well. It is quite important for us if we want to claim to be Christians and throughout that sermon peace keeps coming in how we interact with one another the kingdom of God one of its fundamental components is the existence of peace if we think about those places in the world where we know the children cannot walk down the street for safety because they'll have their legs blown off by landmines or, or the elderly on their way to the shops are going to be shot at by a sniper, the kingdom of God is not present there. That is where evil is present. So peace is a vital component of the kingdom that we are supposed to bring about. So, when we get phrases like turn the other cheek, go the other mile. We need to try and work out what they are. One of my favourite hobbies is watching footballers at the end of a match give their post-match interview and try and do a cliché count as part of the whole thing. Yeah, well, every game lasts 90 minutes, and it's a game of two halves, and the lads today, well, we all gave 110%, some of us even gave 120% and we all went the extra mile for one another. We've all know it, we've all heard them, you know, the wit and wisdom of David Beckham. And um, and we, we think we know what we mean by going the extra mile. John Dominic Crossan, in his extraordinarily good book, Jesus, a revolutionary biography, and I warmly commend it to you, starts trying to unpick what that phrase, going the extra mile, actually meant at the time, and also what the term turned the other cheek actually meant and instead of going the extra mile just you know slogging your guts out extra he was saying that if you've got a roman soldier ordering you because let's remember these people were living under oppression a foreign power had invaded them if you are being compelled by a roman soldier to take it one mile he expects you to obey him and only take him that mile because that's how far he wants to go You take him that extra mile, you have shifted him, your enemy, your oppressor, out of position. He's now got to lug his kit back that mile, which he didn't want to do. It's a piece of passive resistance. But we don't often think of it like that. Turn the other cheek. We often think of as, you know, we associate it with that Jesus gentle, meek and mild, don't we? It's the oh yes, just keep on punching me. I'm, I'm not worthy of anything else. But actually, if you think, right, you've had a pop there. Now have a pop there. Because all you've got is your violence. But you're not going to take my dignity. I'm refusing to give it to you. And you're never ever going to get my obedience either. Jesus is giving the blueprints for those who need liberation. He's giving them the practical tools for how you might secure true freedom. But he's saying that if you start resorting to violence, then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And we know that from Israel and Palestine. Conflict just builds to more conflict. He's trying to offer us practical ideas. And the people who have clocked that and understood it are Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and eventually Mandela. And I think we can argue that they did achieve something in their lives as a result. The Sermon on the Mount is a practical document, and we need to try and work out what it really means. Now, fortunately, in our congregation, we actually have somebody who's a bit of an expert on the theme of peace. we've got somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, I'm an expert in Mars bars, which isn't quite so helpful really, but Teresa um, actually um, works for a charity in central London called Conciliation Resources. Um, She's their head of policy and learning. After time with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and with the Department for International Development, she now is working for this charity and she's um, supporting and advising them. So Teresa... Would you like to come up and and please uh, share with us a little bit about your organisation and also the reason why we're talking about uh, peace today is because there's something happening this week. Over to you. So, I'm going to ask some questions. So, Theresa, hello, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about the International Day of Peace which is happening this week?
1: Yes, so um, the International Day of Peace uh, falls on the 21st of September and it was established by a unanimous vote of the UN General Assembly in 1981 as a day to commemorate and strengthen the ideals of peace among all nations and peoples. And so on this day people are invited to honor a cessation of hostilities and to commemorate the day through education and public awareness. And this year it's being used to commemorate the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which says in, uh, everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. And then why do we need it? Well, we don't really need a day. We need peace in general. Yes, yes. Uh, but a dedicated day really helps to um, draw attention to the problem of conflict and the way we need to, the fact that we need to prevent and resolve it. And it's increasingly urgent because... At least 22% of the world's population live in places affected by conflict. That's 1.6 billion people. More people have had to flee their homes today due to conflict or insecurity than at any time during the Second World War, since the Second World War. And uh, and the number of civil wars have tripled in, in the past decade. So the figure's really daunting, but nonetheless we shouldn't be daunted because in many of these places... There are people working for peace uh, amidst the violence and preventing conflict. And there have been some significant peace agreements and hostilities ended in the last recent years in Colombia and the Philippines, for example. And we are learning about conflict and how to better respond all the time.
0: Okay, thank you. So, can you talk a little bit about what peace building is?
1: Uh, well, you'd be forgiven not, for not knowing what peacebuilding is because it's not in the dictionary. And lots of words for fighting are in the dictionary. And in fact, there's a campaign currently to get it in the dictionary. But peacebuilding really is a broad range of measures in areas threatened or affected by conflict. And they are measures which are guided by the primary motivation. To, for the prevention of violent conflict and the promotion of lasting, sustainable peace. And it can include, you know, mediation and dialogue, preventative diplomacy, border management, the support for the rehabilitation of ex combatants um, And really it's, really, it's more about stopping... It's m- about more than stopping the violence. It's about dealing with the underlying causes and helping p- societies to resolve conflict without resorting to violence. And so it's by nature long-term a long-term process changing attitudes and rebuilding relationships it's inclusive it involves everyone from communities to governments and it's about understanding understanding and addressing the underlying causes and drivers and often that's about inequality injustice and exclusion
0: okay thank you so who does peace building and how do they do it
1: Uh, Many people. Um, But first and foremost, I would highlight the people in the communities and societies who are affected by conflict, who have the biggest stake in peace. So if we think about Northern Ireland and the many men and women who were in the communities playing important roles in fostering that peace process. um, But there are also useful roles that outsiders can play because when things are very tense, third parties are needed. And my only organisation, you mentioned Conciliation Resources, is supporting groups, um, organizations, individuals, in their long-term peace efforts. So we provide advice, solidarity, training, resources, and we also talk to governments and international organizations about their policies. And I wanted to highlight three examples, if I may, um, to help to bring it to life. So if you could just show the first picture. Um, in northeastern Nigeria, some of you may know that this is an area ravaged by the Boko Haram insurgency since 2009, and the UN has called it the worst humanitarian crisis in the African context. continent. And uh, young people are, are a target for mobilization by that armed group, because they're often excluded, um, have become increasingly disengaged from... Society and they're highly vulnerable. Um, They're they're orphans, uh, sometimes substance abusers, and so their recruitment to violence is a driver of the conflict. So, what we've done is with our partners, we have supported young people across 11 communities to establish peace coalitions, youth peace coalitions involving several hundred youth, and they have been involved in the promotion of messages of peace. Um, dealing with trauma, and they have really—it's had a transformatory effect on their lives. Um, so it's just the youth, uh, just the youth picture there, um, and so this is have, uh, and it's changed the perception of youth, and there's it's improved uh, relations within the community. If we go back, this picture here, this is Kashmir. So this is an area of. Um, divided area between India and Pakistan, which has been the hub of violent conflict since 1947. And the picture you see here is of um, traders who have met across what is the highly militarized line of control. And um, I wanted to cite uh, uh, one of the traders uh, that experienced on that day. He said, it's very difficult to describe in words the emotional scene prevailing at the line of control meeting point that day. The majority in the gathering was, of course, traders, but I didn't find anyone talking about trade. Among the locals, hardly anyone didn't have tears in their eyes. For a moment, there was no distinction between Muslims, Hindus and Sikhs, when people from both sides met their long-forgotten kin, started inquiring about their relatives, friends, villages and belongings. And so the work we've been doing is try to um, extend the contacts that have been established between people on either side to include journalists, business people, um, laborers, academics and that is a trust building activity but it also gives people in the region more of a voice over how that conflict could be eventually resolved and then next is a picture of Juan dos Santos, he was the president of Colombia till this year and we mentioned it earlier, in 2016 there was a comprehensive peace deal signed with a revolutionary armed group, the FARC, went 50 years of conflict. And we were involved in supporting the negotiations, giving experience from other contexts, but we also supported women. And women are often playing vital roles in, in building peace, but often excluded from the official talks. And so this so it shows him in London, surrounded by a group of women we've been supporting, who have been displaced to, London, uh, to the UK, but are playing useful roles... Um, to the implementation of the peace process back in Colombia. And then I just wanted to show you a few more slides of who we involve and how. So I mentioned women. Uh, There's some pictures here of these indigenous women in Colombia. They often are completely excluded from any peace efforts. Uh, Youth, um, if you go on, the next picture is a woman talking to military commanders in, um, I think this is Central African Republic, building those links so that they can hear what communities need if you go along. Um, this is, um, yes, so this is again in India, Pakistan, where we're trying to bring women into those rooms. And then I mentioned youth, who are often seen as a problem, but actually they're part of the solution. And a lot of the work involves flip charts, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of Uh, convening spaces where people can think through strategies so those are the next few slides if you go one there and two there so yeah and giving people the space outside the very pressured environment in which they are living to think through what they can be doing to alter the dynamics of the conflict and then some of it looks like, sorry if you go back uh, uh, some of it looks like that so taking the lessons from what we're learning about conflict and talking to governments and international organisations about it. So um, the, um, the final thing, i was just going to show those quotes by Viola in South Sudan, a highly you know, conflict-ridden region. This is the commitment that people show. And then the wonderful Ali <laughs> with his red beard in Kenya... So it's very—it's um, in people's hearts. And then I was going to cite to you um, a woman who's involved in the Columbia Diaspora work. She says, we can build peace through the revolution of small things, every day, at every time, respecting each other, empowering women, and recognising the value of every human being, especially if he, she, is, from a dif- is different from me.
0: Thank you. Um, could you talk about some of the other challenges yeah. to, to actually building peace as well?
1: Uh, there are many, many, many. It's a, um, it's a highly complex activity, because conflict is very complex. Um, but I wanted to highlight too: This is um, dangerous work, really. People are very courageous who take part in it, and they take great risks, either to their personal security or, for, for example, risk of arrest, if what they say challenges interests and prevailing wisdom. One of our partners in Kashmir was shot and killed by militants this year. So really, I would say we should be preparing for protection and respite from the pressures they're under, and, and I would say for their voices to be louder than the people who are committing violence. Um, it's also under-resourced um, compared to the scale of the challenge I mentioned at the beginning. Um, the total expenditure on peacebuilding is not 0.5 of the amount we spend on global, globally on military expenditure. And what we, un- we spend on peacebuilding is just 1% of the cost of lost economic growth. So prevention is cheap, and it works. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much. And um, please be assured of our prayers for, for both your work and the work of conciliation resources going forward. Thank you. Um, can we give a round of applause? Henry David Thoreau, um, the American philosopher, in his book on civil disobedience, um, which was probably the blueprint for, for Gandhi's work later on, says this, There are 999 patrons of virtue for every virtuous person. There are 999 people out there who say they believe in the causes of peace, but probably only one person who actually does anything about it. The church has too often been silent about peace. It is a central part of the kingdom of God. It is something we need to think more about. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the peace builders, blessed are the peace keepers. And it might be that that is something we are all called to and something for us to think about. How can you build peace? How can you keep peace? How can you make peace this week and beyond? And may God give us the courage we need to wrestle with that more in the coming days. Amen.